Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. Good morning, Oasis Church. Man, I'm so glad that you are here. First and foremost, let me just say this. I want to wish everybody here a happy Mother's Day. I know with the sound of listening to my voice, we got moms of all kind. We got moms from a traditional families. We have we got moms in special circumstances. We've got moms that are single moms. You have stepmoms and even step-in moms. And man, we just want to say happy Mother's Day to each and every mom sitting in the room. Now, as exciting as today is, I also know that recognize that this day carries with it all sorts of different emotions. There are ladies that know the pain of childlessness, stillbirth, miscarriages, even moms who have lost their sons. I think there are other moms here today, and man, you have a strained relationship with your child, and today is just, it's just not normal. Others of you, man, this is the first year, and your mom's in heaven, and you'd give anything just to hear her voice one more time. I'm sure that there are others of you that, man, you can't help but think that wish you would have been better parents growing up, and there's other of us, others of us that we wish we would have been better sons and daughters to our parents. And then there are other moms that today is going to be the best day ever. you got your kids. you got your families. It's a beautiful day outside. Today is going to be the best day ever. Working on this week's message, um, it made me think about a story about a young pastor. He was approached by a funeral home director, and he told him that, he said, hey, there was a homeless man that he died, and he has no family, no next of kin, no friends, no anything, and man, we got a plot in the back 40 over here, and we'd just be curious if you would come and do the service for us. This young pastor said, man, I would love to. Uh, the funeral director said, hey, this is the direction. Listen, it, you have to follow the directions to a T. Well, the big day came, the guy, the, the, uh, the pastor, has, he's got his message all rolled up, he's ready, and he takes off, and he is on his way to do the funeral of this guy. Well, all of a sudden, he's starting going down all these different back roads, and he gets lost. Now, because he's a man, he doesn't ask any directions. All of a sudden, he's driving, he is an hour late to this man's funeral, and he just happens to pass a field where there is a backhoe and a big mound of dirt. In his eyes, he's thinking, man, this has to be it. So he, he pulls in, he approaches the guys who are taking a break, they're eating lunch, eating a sandwich, and he says, hey guys, if you don't mind, can, man, just out of respect, I want to preach this message for, for this guy. They said, no, sure, go, go ahead. They were a little bit confused in it all. So all of a sudden, this young preacher, man, he begins opening up his Bible, and he starts preaching and preaching and preaching. This boy's preaching from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and all of a sudden, these two guys sitting on the backhoe, hey, they start getting in it. They're like, hey, hey, man. Come on, preach on. Hallelujah. And the more they do it, this preacher is getting wound up. All of a sudden, he begins to close this hour-long service in prayer. After he's done, he thanks the gentleman and says, thank you so much for your time. And on his way, he's walking back to his car, and he feels like a million bucks. Man, I did a good thing. But just as he was getting in his car, he overheard one of the workers say, man, I've been putting in septic tanks my entire life, and I ain't never seen anything like that before. Hey, sometimes us preachers, we miss the mark. But family, I want you to hear me. I hope that that is not today. Now, here's the thing. I'm not fixing to come to you moms and preach on how you need to do better, how you need to be better, and how you need to live better. This morning, and I just want to speak a message of encouragement over your lives today. And I have two things that I want to say and share with you today that I believe are going to be helpful and they're going to be encouraging. I have one thing that I want you to stop 
And then I, want, I have one thing that I want you to start. If you're taking notes, the first thing that I want you to stop is I want you to stop comparing yourselves. I want you to stop the comparison game. Like, whoo, listen, we could preach for days on days on this one thing, but if you're okay with it, I think it would be best if we just went and jumped into the deep end of the pool. Let me ask you a question. What happens if you always look at the strengths and the highlight reel of others, and then you compare them to your weaknesses and your lack. Let me ask you, how will you measure up? One pastor, I think he said it perfectly. He says, the reason why we struggle, the reason why we have so many insecurities is because we compare our behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reel. And here's the truth. Every one of us, men and women, everybody, we've all done this. We've all fallen into the trap of comparison. And what each of us has learned is when we do this, when we do this comparison thing, it is almost a guaranteed recipe for disaster. It destroys your confidence. It destroys your attitude. It brings in a whole season of being miserable and unhappy. When you fall into the trap of comparing yourselves to everybody else, listen to me, you will most always come up short. You will always feel like you're not smart enough, that you're not strong enough, that you're not spiritual enough. I'm not even good enough. I don't know what yours is, but I can assure you, we will almost always come up short when we do this thing called comparison. I think back through the years of ministry, I've learned one valuable truth that I want to share with you today. Don't measure your progress using someone else's ruler. Can I say that one more time? Don't measure your progress by using someone else's ruler. Because when you do this, when you try to rationalize it in your mind and your head, that if someone else is successful and you don't look like them, things aren't turning out like you think they are, that means then you must have failed or you just can't measure up. But I want you to listen to me very closely this morning. Someone else's success doesn't equate, doesn't mean that you are a failure. And I can't help but believe there have been endless supply of men and women, and when they are continually comparing their lives with others, it will almost always, always, always keep them from venturing into the places and the things that God has them. Man, I look back on Moses. Man, I love Moses. When you come to Exodus chapter 3, here he is, an insecure, stuttering recluse. He's complained the whole time that he's not good enough. And we even see him in that moment begging God, like, please pick somebody else to go talk to Pharaoh and to be able to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And one of his biggest complaints is, you ready for this? He says, I stutter. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good communicator. But check this out. Centuries down the road, in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, Stephen says this about Moses, that he was powerful in speech and action. Stephen said that Moses was powerful in speech and action. So here's the thing that I've been asking myself. How did Moses come up with this idea? How did Moses come up to the conclusion that he wasn't a good speaker? Here it is. I think that we see Moses comparing himself to other people that he thought were great communicators and great leaders. And because he didn't look like them, because he didn't act like them, he thought he would be a failure, and he wasn't. Man, listen to me today. When you compare your abilities to almost anybody else, you will most, almost always come to this conclusion, I can never be like them. And you know what? I want you to hear my heart this morning. You were never meant to be 
Man, can I just say that to you again? You were never meant to be like them, look like them, act like them, or talk like them. Listen, God doesn't need two people that are just alike. God doesn't want you to become a copy of more than likely somebody else who's just another copy. God wants you to be you. God wants you to be you. Look, I don't know if anybody has told you this, but God has uniquely and precisely created you with a unique set of gifts, talents, and abilities to do exactly what God has called you to do. Man, I love what David said in Psalms chapter 139, verse 13 and and 14. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Here, check this out. David, in this moment, wasn't praising God for the way he created the sun, the moon, the stars, Halley's Comet, or the next blood moon. He wasn't doing any of that. David is coming in this moment, and he is praising, and he is marveling at the magnificent masterpiece called David. He couldn't believe that God had spent so much time on him. Hey, moms, just hear me for just a moment. One of the best things for you to do, one of the best things for me to do is for us to stop comparing ourselves our lives, oh, listen to me, and our story with everybody else's because it will always, always, always keep you stuck. So here's what I believe is gonna happen this week. I think this week, maybe even today, and maybe in a Monday or Tuesday, something's gonna happen where you step into this, this moment of where you're getting ready to compare yourself with somebody else. And here's what I want you to do. When you feel it start to come on, I want you to remember three things. I want you to remember the first one is this. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Man, you gotta come back in that moment and say, Lord, I don't look like them, but man, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made just like them. The second thing that you need to do is you remember that all of us here today, we all have our different strengths and weaknesses. Everybody has good things that they're good at and everybody has bad things that they're bad at. And the third one, man, if you can do this one right here, it'll begin to shift something inside of you. Listen to me, choose compliments over comparison. Choose compliments for somebody else over comparison. If you begin to put these three in action, man, there's gonna be a difference that starts to take place in you. So here it is. I want you to stop comparing your lives to everybody else's. And here's the one thing that I want you to start doing. One thing to stop and one thing to start. Growing up in the church where Marley and I grew up in, there was a phrase that, man, we heard more times than we could count. Anytime we were getting ready to go to an event or place, anytime we left the church doors, somebody would always come and say this statement, remember who you are and remember whose you are. And if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. Remember who you are and whose you are. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. Because when you forget who you are and you forget whose you are, you're going to tend to worry. Listen to me. When you tend to forget who you are and whose you are, that's when you become overwhelmed. When you forget who you are and whose you are, that's when you begin to lose your way. When you forget who you are and whose you are, and that's when we become anxious. And, and here's what I thought about that phrase that turned out to be entirely wrong. You see, I always thought that's what adults said to kids and teenagers. But you know what I found out in this season of life of being an adult? It's not just a teenager thing. Hey, listen to me. This is an adult thing. Moms, let me talk to you for just a moment. When you enter into adulthood, when you become a mom and when you have kids, you start forgetting a lot of stuff. Some of you are like, yep, 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 like that is true. Because now not only do you have to remember all your stuff, you have to remember all your kids' stuff. And if you live in the Sheets family, Marley has to remember all my stuff. Can I give you a little bit of a confession time here for just a moment? I'm terrible with names. 
horrible with names. Now, I should spend more effort learning people's names, but instead, I just give everybody nicknames. So here's what happened. Not at Oasis Church. I know everybody's name here. Just don't push me on that. Here, here's the thing. So when we come into the church, man, I'll give somebody a nickname. I don't remember their name, but I describe them, and then all of a sudden, that nickname sticks. And Marley has to remember not only the nickname, but she has to remember the real name that their, their real name. So moms, you have so much to remember. Man, you got to remember where kids put their shoes because Lord knows they never put their shoes in the same place twice. You got to remember a homework. You got to remember school schedules. You got to remember when projects are due. And not only that, but you have to remember all your stuff. And then more than likely, you have to remember all your husband's stuff. I'm just here to tell you that you moms, you have a lot to remember. And it's because of that that I want to caution you for just a moment. You see, when you have a lot of things to remember, it's easy for you to get the most important thing. And from time to time, you can forget who you are and whose you are. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go and turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is a very familiar story that we've read several different times. It involves two ladies, a lady named Martha and a lady named Mary. Luke chapter 10, verses 38, the Bible says this, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him saying, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Man, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. In this passage of Scripture, we have a Mary and a Martha. Now, watch me for just a moment. Everybody here, we have a Mary and a Martha inside of us. There's a Martha side of you. And man, it is the side of you that, hey, we got a lot of stuff we got to get done. I got a checklist. I got a notepad. And there are things that I got to kick some booty and take some names today. We got to get some stuff done. You wake up running in the morning and you go to bed running at night. It is just hurry, 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 work, work, work. This girl right here in our text, she is cleaning. She is cooking. She is preparing a meal for a guest. She's listening to the podcast of the great Jesus in the very next room. This girl is running 100 miles an hour. Now, let me make sure we bring everybody the table here. This isn't just moms. Man, this is dads. This is college students. This is workers and employees. It is entrepreneurs. It is teachers. It is stay-at-home stay home moms. This is all of us. You'll find a Martha in everybody. And almost always, not all the time, but most of the time, it's the dominant side in all of us. Oh, but look at our text. There is a whole other side of this, and it's the posture of Mary. We see Mary, she is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary is listening and focused on Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 41. But the Bible answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You see, when Jesus says these words, Jesus is not saying that what she's doing is bad. Jesus isn't even saying that what she's doing is necessarily even wrong. What Jesus is saying is there is something in that moment that was more important. And the most important thing is what Mary was doing, which was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Oh, moms, lean in for just a moment. Martha does something every one of us do. You see, Martha is putting expectations on herself that Jesus never put on her. Can I say that to you one more time? 
Martha in this moment, she is putting expectations on herself that Jesus never put on her. Martha was making this amazing Pinterest recipe, garlic Parmesan chicken in the kitchen that Jesus never ordered. And Jesus is telling her that it is better to do what Mary's doing. Now, here's the weird thing about a text that I love so much about what Jesus said. Did you notice in verse 42, it says this, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen, listen to this, the good portion. It's the word portion. That phrase is talking about food. What Jesus is telling her is, Martha, man, you're cooking a great meal, but right now the meal that Mary has chosen is far better. Every one of us, almost any given day, can jump into a Martha mindset. Hurry, 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 run, 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 because you've got so much to do and to get done. And I want to make sure that you hear me. Hey, look, those things have to get done. Man, I'm not going to sit up here today and tell you that you need to slack off on everything else. There are things that just have to get done. And that's the world and all that we all live in. But we have to remember this one thing. In a Martha-driven world, you have to have some time of some merry moments where you come and you find yourself sitting at the feet of Jesus. Look at what happens in verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Man, again, I want you to lean in for just a moment. Jesus wanted the same thing for Mary and Martha. Man, don't miss this. This just wasn't a pick and choose here. Jesus wanted the same thing for Mary and for Martha, for them to both come and sit down. But Martha missed what Jesus offered, and Mary was able to receive what Jesus offered because she chose chose, chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. And listen to me, it's at the feet of Jesus that we learn who we are and whose we are. Family, I want you to know that we don't have the time, when we don't have the time, when we don't make the time to sit at Jesus' feet, listen to me, you'll start to forget who you are and whose you are. When you and I are constantly running and going and doing and we're not making the time to come and sit at the feet of Jesus, we'll start to forget who we are and whose we are. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I, I, I don't think you are. Have you seen my favorite gospel movie, The Lion King? Oh, let me tell you something, people. It is the best. Think about it for a moment. Man, you've got God the Father, Mufasa. you got God the Son, which is Simba. And then you got God the Holy Spirit, which is Rafiki. Now, I want to make sure that we're on the same page here. I'm not talking about the new Lion King that came out. I'm talking about the old school one, the best one, the good one. And if you remember back to the movie, Simba, when he was little, um, he's got this Uncle Scar. And Uncle Scar wants to be the king. He wants to be sitting on the throne. He wants to be calling all the shots. And one day, he has this great plan. He tells Simba to go to a place that he's not supposed to go. He sets this big, huge ambush up, and all of a sudden, here comes the wildebeest. They're coming down, and Simba, man, we don't know what's going to happen to Simba. And just at the right moment, here comes Mufasa, dad. He jumps in and saves his boy's life. Now, spoiler alert, if you had not seen it, I'm going to tell you something that you just need to prepare yourself. Simba's dad dies. And about that time, Uncle Scar, perfect image of Satan, comes over and begins to shame and guilt Simba. He says, man, this is all your fault. Like, I can't believe you. And he puts all this on Simba. Well, Simba, he can't handle it. He all of a sudden, he takes off to run. He runs for his life. And he runs into two of the best characters, I think, in the entire Disney, Disney, whatever that right there is called. It's Timon and Pumbaa. And they grew up with this model. You remember what it is? Akuna Matata. They go on singing it. There's a whole big old song you can sing, Akuna Matata. But as the movie begins to progress, we start to see that something inside of Simba starts to grow. He knows that he was made for more. 
when you begin to fast forward in the movie, the Holy Spirit shows up again. Here comes Rafiki. And Simba says, you knew my father? And that's when Rafiki says, correction, I know your father. And that's when Simba comes back and says, look, I don't know if anybody's told you, but my dad, he's, he died. And Rafiki says, no, 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 he's not dead. He is very much alive. And then they do this big old running thing through the jungle and everything else. And just as he's getting close, Rafiki goes, shoo, puts his hand up, and it stops. And the whole scene comes into this one thing. There's a small pond right over to the corner. And he says, look down there. Simba comes over to the edge of the pond, and he looks down, and he sees himself. And he says this. He says, that's not him. That's just my reflection. That's just me. And that's when Rafiki says, no, look harder. And about that time, Simba comes back, and he looks back in the water, and he sees himself again. And Rafiki says this. He says, he lives because he lives and you. And if you remember the scene, the whole sky begins to open and everything starts to change and he sees a vision of his dad. Best line in the whole movie. He says this, he said, you've forgotten me and in doing so, you've forgotten who you are. Woo! Can I say that to you one more time? He said, you've forgotten me and in doing so, you've forgotten who you are. Ladies and gentlemen, moms and dads, children of all ages, you have to remember who you are and whose you are. So just in case that you have forgotten, I want to close out here this morning reminding you of who you are and whose you are. I want to bring you back. You see, the Bible tells me, ladies, moms, dads, everybody here today, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, you are chosen by God. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible tells us you are forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says you are a new creation. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says you are redeemed. Galatians 5, 1 says you are set free from all bondage. First John chapter 5, verse 4 says, you are victorious. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, you are accepted. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, you are healed by his wounds. Romans 5, 1 says, you are justified. Colossians 2, 10 says, you are complete. Colossians 1, says, you are blameless. He's, in 1 Corinthians 1, says, you are righteous and holy. Romans 8, 37 says you are more than a cockroach. Romans number 6, chapter 24 says you are blessed. Romans 8, 28 says you are called. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 19 says you are loved. John chapter 1, verse 12 says you are a child of God. And that's who you are. And you got to remember who you are and whose you are. So here it is, moms. Moms, we got to stop comparing We've got to stop looking at everybody else's life and see what they have and what you don't have. Moms, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. There is no way for you to be a perfect mom. Let me hear this. There's no way for you to be a perfect mom, but there is a million ways for you to be a great mom. Listen to me today. You do you. Don't miss this. The greatest thing you might do in life might not be something that you do, but it's someone you raise. And then moms, I want you to remember this. Remember who you are and whose you are. And it's then and only then when you and I start to remember who I am and whose we are, it begins to change everything about us.
Moms, I hope today you are encouraged. I hope you know that you are making a difference. I hope you know that you have an incredible opportunity to make a lasting difference in the next generation. So can I just pray for you right now in this moment? Father, we come to you today. And God, I thank you so much for moms. I thank you for my mom. I thank you for the mom for my two boys. I thank you for every mom sitting in this room today. I thank you for every mom that's gonna listen to this video. God, I just thank you for for the gift of mothers. God, they carry so much weight and man, they're so underappreciated. And God, I just pray today that, Father, I just pray that we hit the mark today. I pray that the moms are encouraged today. I pray that they are living today with something completely different that's gonna make a difference in their life where they step in tomorrow and they're not gonna do so much comparing their lives against somebody else's and they're gonna step into this always remembering who they are and whose they are. So God, I just pray right now. I pray every mom in the room, I pray that you'd give them the best day. I pray that, man, their day is filled with joy and love. And God, we just pray that you'd be with each and every one of us. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.